0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com
1: for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This AceCast Cast Download is brought to you by Link LinkSoul. Check out their spring collection. Go to LinkSoul.com. And by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com.
2: This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics.
1: And the pitch
3: swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track, over his head. And over the wall. Do you believe that?
0: And 29 other
2: MLB clubs.
3: Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away, back, on! Go Hayes. It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. Boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a Judging in blast. All rise. Here comes the Judge.
2: Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe, from humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
1: Well, good Friday to everybody out there in A's land, Major League Baseball, as the Athletics are going to start a road trip tonight in Texas. It's going to be a 5.05 first pitch. We're going to be with you for the next couple of hours, and then we'll have A's total access, getting you ready for the game tonight between Sears, John Gray, the Athletics, and the Rangers. Going to start off today I'm not doing any prepared speech. I'm not going to, to sugarcoat anything. I'm just going to be real honest. And first, we want to start with a little humility and gratitude. And we want to thank all the A's fans up there for what you have done for us. And what you've done for A's cast, A's cast live, supporting us on this journey as we left the terrestrial radio world and took a gamble with our careers. I took a gamble. Commander took a gamble, knowing that what we're doing is the future. And we wanted to bring you a true look at what happens with the Oakland Athletics on an everyday basis, because nobody else in the market was doing that. No one was covering the team. And it's just gotten worse since we started this. Newspapers have really pulled back. There's no radio coverage, hardly any TV coverage. So this has been the place that we created for you to have Monday through Friday, A's Cast Live, but 365, 24-7, A's News, A's Programming. A's history. We go to the winter meetings. We do all this stuff to constantly be giving you content and fresh content. And I know how miserable the last 48 hours have been for you, for all of us. And I want you to know how much we feel your pain. We know how miserable this has been. And how tough this is for everybody and I want you to know we're in we're in the same boat as you it's what you need to understand we're feeling the exact same pain you are there is still so much out there that we don't know the unknowns the unknowns for you the unknowns for us the unknowns for our careers the unknowns for our lives, we're affected just like you. I've got a wife. I've got two kids. Cody has a wife. No one knows what the future holds. There's no crystal ball that I can bust out and say, this is what it's going to look like in a week. This is what it's going to look like in six months. This is what it's going to look like in a year. This is what it's going to look like in two years, four years, ten years. I can't tell you, and really nobody can. You have to understand it affects us just like it affects you. And it affects us really, really hard. And so every decision, every breaking news thing, we're, 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 we're on eggshells just like everybody else. And we wanted to let you know that, that we feel your pain. And we just today want to start out with a thank you for help making us what we are. Because no matter what all the distractions, no matter all of the dysfunction, you could say, we're the number one podcast in Major League Baseball because of you. We have been recently given numbers that show what we did last year and what we've done to this year. There's not another team close to us. It's because of you. And we can't thank you enough. Now, I hope you understand that we have to still do our job. And our job is to still cover these men in uniform. We still need to cover the front office. We still need to cover the manager. We still need to cover the coaches. And we still need to cover the players. And we still need to cover the league. We still have to do our jobs, despite all the noise despite everything that's going on. It's not easy. It's not easy for anybody. We are all in the same boat together. And I wanted to let you know how much I feel for you and I care about you. It's hard. It's hard for all of us. I've never dealt with anything like this. I mean, I did the Raider departure I understand what it's like. I've mentioned a few times on this show, maybe you've heard it, maybe you maybe you haven't. I was the last of the Mohicans when it comes to the Raiders. I was the last guy on air. I was the last guy to do call-in shows. I, I, I worked for the team, but I was an independent contractor. I was on the last ever Oakland Raider flight. I know what I know what that was like to be on the last flight to land from Denver to Oakland and tears in guys' eyes and people hugging and there was a lot of people who knew that it was over. Their Raiders their Raiderslash NFL career was over. Mine included. I knew it. But this is different because this is my love. This is my full time job. To I've never had my kids come home and go, a couple of their teachers asking, hey, ask your dad what's really going on. And having to explain to my children what's going on. I have a terrified wife right now. We're all in this together. But you have to understand, we still have to do our job. And please don't hold that against us. I'm still going to have to do the pregame. I'm still going to do the post game. We're still going to carry the games. We have to be professional and move on and do the job we've been hired to do. We do not control our ownership. We don't control politics. We don't control states. We don't control cities. We don't control county government. We don't control local government. We control none of that. We always joke, but probably at this time, it's the best time to say it. We always laugh about Jim Harbaugh, A's fan. Control the controllables, Har- Harbaugh would always say as a Stanford coach, as a 49ers coach, and I'm sure he's saying the same thing in Michigan. Control the controllables. That's all we can do. I don't have any information that you don't have. There's no secret email, text thread, anything that we're being given that you don't know and we're hiding from you. We don't have anything. But I just want to start the show today to let you know how much we care about you and how much we want to thank you for what you've done for us, for what you've done for me in my career, for all the support. And we want to give you that support back. And hopefully we're going to get through this, and we'll have to do it all together. Whether it's horrifically bad or turns out to be here, unbelievably great. There are so many unknowns right now that no one can truly tell you what the ultimate outcome is going to be. So there's always hope for certain things. But just know that we'll be here for you from a baseball standpoint. And we're going to continue to do our jobs the best that we can to provide you the best coverage. I hope as things go forward, you'll stay with us. And you'll continue to enjoy the coverage. But that's all we can do. So once again, thanks for everything. And we'll proceed as a show, as a show that covers this team, as a, as a show that covers this league, which I think is as good as anybody. And we're still going to have all the guests, and we're still going to do all of that. But I didn't want to start a show with some some non-emotional, here's a statement. I didn't want to do that. Because you know that's not me, and I wanted to be real with you. And wanted to truly let you know how we feel about you, and hopefully how you feel about us, and how we all understand, as an A's family, we're all in the same boat together right now. And as Cody can tell you, you know, from our standpoint, it's not easy. What we're all going through is not easy. And anytime there's uncertainty in life, it makes it real uneasy. Just not for you, but the people around you, the people you love, your friends. It's just, uh, and we're not going to, we never developed this show to be breaking news. We, that's not what it was developed for. I think everybody knows that. Uh, I've, I've gotten out of the breaking news business a long time ago when my Twitter account was taken from me. And I got back on Twitter, but I just do it to follow baseball people and some sports people. But those days of what are my thoughts on Twitter and breaking news and doing all that, I, I, I've gotten out of that. And, I'm, and, I, and I, I've been a happier person doing that been better for my life not having to feel like oh my god what's happening i have to respond i have to you know it's been better and i'm i'm glad that as of right now that uh i'm definitely off but there's no question it is uh it's hard times it's really hard times and there's no way to um no other way to describe it and everybody everybody knows i mean we were all shocked by this No one said, hey, here's a heads up. I mean, I got done doing A's pre- and post-game live on NBC on Thursday. I was, you know, I had the night game, didn't get much sleep, up the next day doing TV, I came home, I was exhausted. I actually laid down, old Space Mountain laid down for a uh, nap, and I woke up to this guy texting me all this stuff, and it's like, oh, my God. No one gave us forewarning. No one knew. So it's not like I know people have reached out and said, "Hey, are you guys hiding stuff? Do you guys know?" No. That phrase, "it's it's above our pay grade," is could could not be uh, more the truth right now, uh, of where uh, uh, of what's happening. So we feel you. I just wanted you to know that we love you. We feel you. We know people have reached out. And I appreciate the coverage that people are trying to give this now when we were getting zero coverage for so many years. And that's the reason why AceCast was even developed. But a lot of interest right now and a lot of people covering this, and and I'm glad we're doing that. No matter the outcome, truth is truth. Misinformation is never good for anything. And there is a lot of misinformation out there. You know, people want information that, that, that best suits them. You know, we've really found that out in the social media era where so many people get their news and they get whatever they need from social media. Well, social media gives you what you want. They got algorithms for that. So everybody gets, everything's tailored to you. And gets sent to you what you want. And feeds into your wants, your needs, your emotions. I would caution everybody on things that I have known to be true. Facts. And there are people that have put stuff out there that's just flat out not true. Because they don't know. They think they may know, but they're guessing. That's the dangerous thing about Twitter or other social media platforms is everybody wants to be first. Everybody wants everybody, you know, clicking on their stuff, looking at their stuff. And there's just, there's certain things. And I'm sure if I worked for the city of Oakland, I'm sure there's people on their side who are saying, hey, this person's saying this, that's wrong. You're not getting all the information. There's both sides to this there's multiple sides to this so be very be be very wary of what you're reading and what you're seeing and what you're hearing cuz it's it's not all 100% factual and that's tough right because you want you you so want the answers and you want them now but you're not getting any 100% answers right now or anytime soon. And this is going to be a long process. Long, long process. I mean, I couldn't even believe yesterday when I was reading, like, when we start talking about timelines, for whether it be wh- whichever project, they get, these timelines are so far out. Years out. We're talking years. People on Twitter can make it seem like it's tomorrow. They can make it seem like, Cody, that, oh, yeah, yeah, this is going to happen, and this is it. And it's like, you really look at the year, you go, this is years, years, years out. This isn't stuff that's happening tomorrow. This is not something that's happening by the end of this year. If you're talking about some type of building erected that Major League Baseball can play in, we're talking years. Scary.
4: It isn't. You mentioned about all the misinformation out there. It's even going to be more misinformation now that uh, Twitter has gotten rid of the blue check marks. That's not official. So be very careful on what you're reading on social media, especially Twitter anymore, because you can't tell who's verified, who's not, and who has the real news unless you actually look at their page. Well,
1: and I think there's also also verified people are not giving you the full – you know, people that you viewed as verified – you know there's a there's a national spin there's a local spin there there's there's a lot of spin and once again you get back to the controllables we can't control that we can't control what a national person says we can't we can't control someone's opinion we can't control someone's twitter account we can't get involved in that we can't do that unfortunately we're going to get back to Seven-game losing streak and three and sixteen, but Mason Miller's here, and boy. That's exciting. I mean, that's that's what we have to get back to. So once again, we feel you, we love you, and we understand. That's all you need to know. And I'll be popping around the ballpark if you want to talk to me. Once we get back to home, I'll I'll gladly talk to you, answer questions. I'll be there for you, the best that I can be. But we will have to go on with life baseball and you know the uncertainty of our own careers which is tough to say that it's tough to go live and say that you know a lot of people can get a lot of people can get on twitter and they can have videos they can have youtube channels and they can do all that their careers are not on the line their careers are not technically being affected so they can have big, bold, nasty opinions on whatever they want to have, but yet they, they, there's no ramifications. And they're, they're, they're in the moment. They're in the heat of the moment. They don't live this every day. You know, I've seen a lot of people say a lot of things who I never see them at the ballpark, and I haven't seen them in ballpark. You just never see them. And they're, they're going to give you all these opinions, and they're people that are never there. You don't see them at spring training. You don't see them during the season. You don't see them at the winter meetings. You don't see them at all. Like, who are you to have these kind of opinions? You've got no clue. You're not in this. You're not in this at all. Well, we are. We're in it every day. We live it. We eat it. We drink it. We sleep with it. Every day. Yesterday was the first day off in thirteen days. So you just know that you got a lot of hot take people out there. When you watch this show, you have people been committed to you every single day. We do this every day. This is our life. But you guys mean so much to us. There's no doubt about it. And our fans, what they have done for us, what they have done for this show is is unreal. So when everybody likes to talk about certain things, just know you propelled us to be number one in baseball. And there's nobody even close.
4: Yeah, we saw the numbers the other day. Um, it's interesting to see them. We appreciate everyone who listens and downloads and watches now uh, because of you. This is why we're able to, f- to stream this on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and for to give you another avenue to consume our content. And I, I really enjoy producing this content for you just like Chris does. And we're going to keep doing it. As we have every other day and going forward and until they tell us we don't have, we can't anymore. Yeah. So we're gonna be here, so don't worry about that. We're not going away. Um yeah. and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And I know what you mean about you know
1: It's kind of the misery loves company deal. <laughs> <laughs> it's
4: the it's the one time right now when you and going back to where you said how yeah. people think that we're hiding something, this is the one time where the joke about us being lower level employees that actually we are lower level employees. We don't know anything. Yeah. How's it feel to know you're
1: in the same boat as me now? Awful. (laughs) It really is awful. Yeah. It really is awful. I mean, it's, it's, but we will fight on. And that's why we just wanted to be honest with you today. You know, it's not like, you know, because I, you know how insensitive, how insensitive, insensitive it is for all these people who contact me personally. Hey, are you buying houses in Vegas? Like, dude, you have no idea what's going on. You have no idea. We have no idea. We have no idea what the future holds. We don't. That's why I wanted everybody to know we're in the same boat. We're all in the same boat together. This, the, Where we stand April 21st, Um, we're all in this together. So we're going to move on and talk baseball. But just want to let you know we love you guys, and we're here for you. And hopefully you'll be here for us because there may be a time we need to cry on your shoulder that we need your help helping us to lift our spirits. That may, that day may come. On uh, to, it's
4: uh, people helping people is what we call that. Everybody we, love everybody.
1: People helping people. I, I don't know how to transition to do a great transition to that, but. Um,
4: Always go positive.
1: The, Mason Miller. Mason Miller. The A's are going into Texas. I I thought it was a great question today. What is the most surprising thing on April 21st? The A's dropping 16 of 19 or the Rangers being three-and-a-half game lead in the AL West? It's a great question. It really is. Which one? I mean, because there's no way. I didn't see it. And I don't even know. Maybe I I was trying to explain this. Maybe last year, going through 64 players, losing 102 games, knowing how bad it was, thinking that there was going to be stability going into this season, and to now see that pitching ranks 30th in ERA, 30th in starting pitching ERA, and 29th in bullpen ERA. It's a game of pitching, and if you don't pitch, you got no chance, and that's where I'm sitting here looking now at having lost seven straight. You've been outscored 58-2 to during that losing streak. That's not good. That's not good at all. God I wrote that down is I, that I, right I, uh, did I write that down correctly I'm I, gonna have to check here no because we haven't been shut out that many times well we have been shut out a couple times
4: lately well and only had one run well we scored seven runs against the Mets on that the seventeen what was it, or what was, it, how, many was it, how many runs we scored into the 17 run game or well, seventeen well this game? would
1: be from Saturday to today Saturday today Saturday. Well, it's a five game losing streak. Yeah. So oh. I wrote that down. I, I wrote it down wrong. Okay. So two against the Mets, three against the Mets. So that's seven, eight, nine, ten. So it should be fifty-eight to ten in this seven game losing streak. Something's got to give, man. some has got I mean, I, I I don't know. Like we talked I the one thing that I could say that if you were look at not even really trying to find a glass half full, but this start essentially allowed you to start saying, okay, we got to start going younger because they didn't want to do that. Right. They did not want to do the let's go younger. They didn't want to do it. That's why you signed Jace Peterson. Aletmus Diaz Aguilar. Who am I missing? Brzezinski. Yeah. You know, that's why, that's why you, Trevor May, May, right? Trevor May is a great example, right? 7 million for Trevor May and good luck to Trevor May. The experience that we have with Trevor May is he's a hell of a guy. We all know anxiety is something that has been around for a long, long time that um, unfortunately generation after generation after generation of baseball players were never helped with their anxiety and didn't get this kind of care. So uh nothing but the best, by the way, since we're sending out our love to A's fans today. Send our love to 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 May. I mean, it's it's we don't know what he's dealing with. I mean, with baseball players uh and any type of athlete, you don't know what they're dealing with just inside of themselves when it comes to their profession, what's happening off the field, what's I mean, we have no information, but just, you know, when you have this type of anxiety and you have to step away from from the thing that you love, your career, because you only get so many years in your career to step away. Obviously this is something that's that's major for him. And we wish wish him nothing but the best. Obviously the A's are gonna help get him get him help. But yeah, I mean, if there's anything that you could say where you go, well, you know what? Three and sixteen sucks. Seven straight losses suck. Well, I could and I'm not trying to spin it, but this I know is a spin. Hey, this is going to force you to do what probably you should have done anyways, just go with the young players. Like, why is Nick Allen not here playing? Well, he didn't hit. I get it. Who cares? You're 3-16. and I'd rather not hit with Nick Allen and give him an opportunity to figure it out than to not hit with a veteran guy who's not a part of the future.
4: Fair. And Allen's – I mean, you're going to set him down to the PCL, and he's going to hit down there, and you're going to bring back the majors and and have him either not play – or he could struggle again, and it's the same thing. Uh, Ty- Tyler Soderstrom did a home run again yesterday. He is—I know he did an over four, over five game the other day with four strikeouts, but the guy's mashing still in Vegas. I and he'll he'll be here sooner. Than how later. much
1: longer do you want to see him in Vegas? I, uh, I mean, how much longer? I mean, like, did Mason Miller not prove to us that what's the point of being in Vegas? You'll get better coaching here. You'll get better advice, better learning experience, better training, better. Uh, nutrition, better medical, better everything at the big league level. Why not bring them here? This is a learning year. Learn now. Bring bring everybody up. And that's the problem when all of a sudden you go out and you start signing veteran guys. You start signing veteran guys because you, you, you start thinking like, if everything goes the right way, we got a chance to win some games. Well, I want you to think about this. Let's say the A's were I don't know. Ten, nine and ten. How about that? Let's say we're nine and ten. Opposite what we were last year. Eight and 19. eleven. Seven and twelve. If the record was like that, we don't get Mason Miller. Is that fair?
4: Uh, Yeah. I think that he's still pitching in AAA.
1: I mean, it had to get this bad to get Miller here. And you know what? I'll accept this bad. If it gets Soderstrom up here faster, if it gets Allen playing every day, if it gets Geloff up here, if it gets a Jordan Diaz, let him play. Put him in the line. Is he in the lineup today? Uh I
4: I saw Diaz. I didn't look to see if it was a let miss or if it was uh um Jordan. I just saw Diaz in the lineup. Let me look. Which Diaz is playing every day? I, I want to say I think it's it might be a let miss because uh, I mean it's a like, let miss Diaz playing second.
1: Like, why? Well, I mean that that's the that that could be the only thing that you think about with this team playing bad is that you can finally say why, why, why do you have a guy hitting one? What's it? what I'm going to right now. I'm ho- I'm hoping our they didn't have it earlier. We're still not up. Who are you looking for? What's Diaz hitting?
4: Uh, Aletmus this year is hitting 154.
1: You want to see Jordan? You want to see Aletmus? Tony Kemp's in the lineup today. Tony Kemp is 0 for his last 21. Last 21. You wonder why our offense hasn't scored? I mean... At this point, if you're going to put these numbers up anyway, why not go young? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.
3: the power of their data wasabi another boston-based championship team
1: uh rangers are an exciting story coming up next we're going to talk to their play-by-play man uh dave raymond who does rangers tv he's going to join us next right here on a's cast live Streaming from the town,
2: A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend.
1: Dave Raymond, who does television for the Texas Rangers, joins us here as the athletics are in Arlington to start a set tonight. Dave, thank you so much for taking the time. We truly appreciate
0: it. Well, you bet. You bet. Happy to be on with you. Big,
1: understand kind of a, a big day. Back there. Yeah, it's um, obviously these things are very, very tough and they're going to affect the team. So we're going to see, you know, because this didn't happen until after the loss and the team left town and all of a sudden it broke at night. We had a day off yesterday. So we will see. But, you know, one of the big surprises is you think about the Texas Rangers when everybody said, hey, look out for Seattle. Seattle finally made the postseason for a first time since 2001. They were a chic pick. We know the Angels. Everybody wants to tell us about Otani and Trout. The Astros are the defending champs. Not a lot of people have said much about it other than, well, Bruce Bochy spending a lot of money. You're bringing in DeGrom. They're bringing in guys. But all of a sudden, the first-place Rangers, how much of a surprise is that? Yeah, I,
0: I mean, I, to your point, I guess it depends on who you ask. Um, but I think they felt internally that if you just improved the pitching, that you could be a good team again. Um, and if you look at last year, right, last year was a pretty bad year, 94 losses. Uh, not a lot went right for this team, except – you know, offensively, they were fifth in the league in runs scored. They, you know, it wasn't a perfect offense. It's not a, it's not a perfect lineup. But they did score runs. And, all right, so if you can score in the top five in the league, then that should put you in the conversation. Not not if you're giving up whatever, you know, second most, third most runs in the league. That that can't work. So that's where they ran into trouble. So you go out and get Jacob DeGrom. Uh, Andrew Haney. Uh, Guys with some history of injury. I think the big key was they brought Martin Perez back uh, on a one-year deal. Uh, He accepted the qualifying offer. That was huge. That gave them some flexibility, allowed them to really kind of lean in on some of these other guys. The the shocker to me was, you know, after Bochy, Mike Maddox back as pitching coach, they got DeGrom, they got Heaney. Like, okay, well, they've addressed what they said they were going to address. And then two days after Christmas, they go get Nathan Avaldi. That stunned me. Because at that point, because I should mention too, they had traded for Jake Rizzi, So it seemed like they had way more pitching than most teams would feel necessary at that point. Because remember too, John Gray had been signed the year before on a multi-year deal. So now they add a Evaldi to that mix and you've got a glut of pitching. And it takes all the pressure off all those guys who started last year that the, the Glenn Ottos and Dane Dunnings, etc. to be a part of the rotation. And so now you've got something to work with. They've got a little clay on the table. They're working with it. The offense is still good. The pitching is so drastically improved that I can't say I'm shocked that they're competing. I'm a little surprised that they're winning the division by three and a half games today, but um, it's still very, very early.
1: Yeah, as you mentioned, clay on the table. They spent a lot of money, so they dumped a whole lot of clay on the table. But, like, the one thing that – Uh, we were looking at last year when we were bringing people on from Texas was obviously John Daniels had been there a long, long time. So you get the manager fired. All of a sudden, John Daniels is replaced. And there's, like, dysfunction you're thinking. But now all of a sudden you start looking at – at Chris Young and you start looking at Bruce Bochy and you start thinking, you know what? Stability is such a great thing for an organization as obviously the issues we're having back here in Oakland. Just talk about the stability from the top right now is big for the Rangers.
0: Yeah, I think that I, I've said before uh, that, I mean, Jacob DeGrom's a big get. Right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's as much as you could hope for if you're a fan of a baseball team is for your team to go out and get a guy like Jacob DeGrom that said, I think the Bochy hire is more impactful. Number one, uh, Jacob goes every five days. Boach is in there every single <laughs> inning. And he's got his fingerprints on everything that happens and people in the Bay Area are certainly familiar with, with his impact uh, across the other side of the Bay. He The way he's handled this bullpen so far, again, you know we're a tenth of the way into the season. But what we've seen, it's unique to what we've seen here in the past seven, eight years. Uh, he You know, he really knows what he's doing. He puts guys in the right spots. He's also a very intuitive guy, right? Um, There's plenty of analytics go around. I don't care what team you're with. And the Rangers had certainly committed to that in recent years. Needed to get smarter. Needed to compete with other teams, uh, you know, in that arena. And so they are. But Boach still has, you know, the credibility and the authority to go ahead and use his baseball gut and – uh, I think it, I think with the players, they trust in that. Uh, I think, you know, right now, management up above Boach has to certainly trust in it because he's, he's pulled, the, pulled the right levers at this point. You know, a guy like Travis Jankowski, we told him right before the team left from Arizona that you were not going to make the team. You, so you're not going to make the team. Um, you know, we'd like you to maybe sign a minor league deal and stick around because we think we could use you. You know, fast forward a couple of days, he makes the team opening day, doesn't play for a couple of days. We have some problems in the outfield, he gets in a, a game, uh, produces. So Boach says, All right, put him in there again tomorrow, produces again. They win, they're 10 and 1 in games that, that he plays. And so, guess what, Jankowski's going to be in the lineup more yeah. times than not right now. He's not Babe Ruth, but um, for whatever reason, he's having a positive impact on the outcome of the game, so they're going to keep. They're going to keep going with that. Boach gives them uh, – I, I guess Boach has the freedom to do that kind of stuff, right, which is refreshing and really fun to watch. The players love it. And um, right now it's working. So, uh, so yeah, I think I think the stability that Boach brings is huge. And I also think Mike Maddox was a big ad. You go back and look at Mike's career, where he's been, let's just say, the last 10, 15 years, and, and how those teams have done – He's had a big impact, and he had a big impact when he was here years ago. So um, I think both those have really helped us calm people down uh, in this clubhouse. Some of the younger players got a bunch of veteran presence now as well, and it's really created a really good
1: mix. Yeah, we've always talked about the Maddox move where he comes out and he puts his arm on his hand on the shoulder of the pitcher and it, the great connection that he has with his guys. And yes, Bruce Bochy's not going to be somebody in where you go, here's the lineup, here's how you run the game, here's what you do. That, that would never happen. Uh, obviously, Marcus Simeon, the numbers that I have, you know how much we love Marcus. He's a hometown kid, uh, went to Cal, was a great A. Six-game hitting streak, hitting 4 four seventy-eight. I got the lead tied for the lead with 18 runs sixth and RBIs you know last year there was a lot of things we talked to him about you know signing the big contract the pressure moving the family to Texas there was a lot going on well it seems like and you tell me you're seeing every day that whatever cloudiness that was there for Marcus it's gone and it's nothing but blue skies yeah
0: no I I think there's something to that um you know last year and you never really know right but he he said it to me is it probably it's probably early May last year. He was like, Yeah, this has been a lot. Uh, this is a little more than I thought. The the, the problem last year was not that you change teams you go to a new team. A lot of guys have to do that. The problem last year for him and for Corey Seeger was the amount of money the Rangers spent for the first time in a long time. Really, you know, spent some some big bucks. And the expectation was. It's a, new, it's a new era. It's a new team, new expectations. Well, that was a lot to put on two guys. And so you come in, you're a new guy. Uh, you know, you're expected to carry a team. You get off to a slow start. Team doesn't win some games. And you really start pressing. You got your family trying to fit in. And how do they fit in? How's, what, are we in the right neighborhood. What are the schools like, et cetera? It was a lot. And I think it absolutely had an impact on him. Once it clicked for him, once he got comfortable and took off at the end of May last year, You look at his numbers from about, I think it was May 28th on, he hit a grand slam in Oakland. Yeah. from that point forward, he was probably top four or five in the American League in overall offensive production. He was great. We know he's a great second baseman. Uh, That you didn't really have to worry about. But once that back got hot, it was the same old Marcus Simeon. Slower start again this year for the first maybe couple weeks. But he's back to being himself, and he he is a much different guy, way more comfortable this year, certainly, than we saw last year,
1: yeah. Such a special human being, too. We're we're always going to love Marcus Simeon. And you talk about the other guy that got the big bucks to be the face of the franchise. I mean, Corey Seager, you know, as we were getting ready for this season and we were down in Arizona just like you guys and we were having all the insiders on, and, you know, Corey was a guy people thought, you know, no shifting – this is going to be huge for him offensively. We already know he's got the power. You start, you know, you start bringing the average up, and that helps all your overall numbers. I was kind of buying into that, but unfortunately, an early injury here, bad hammy, and we know really the you can do whatever you want medically. Really, rest is the number one thing. How is that hamstring for the shortstop?
0: Yeah, well, we you know we don't we really don't know right now. Uh, when he pulled it, they did tell us the next day it was grade two. I don't love that, right? I mean, I, you know, you want to say grade one, uh, or slight uh, strain, great. You start when you get into actually grading these things, if you're putting a number on it that's more than one, then I'm worried, uh, especially because he's had trouble with it in the past. Now they said the idea is six weeks. Uh, they they like see six weeks. So in my mind, that means eight. You know, and let's not let not monkey with it. Uh, we'll see. Uh, you, you know, I mean, he's he's still pretty young. Um, I, I, you know, I'd like to think that 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 he'll be a, a quick healer, and maybe who knows? With the, the modern medical world, they can come up with some ideas. But uh, it's concerning. I mean, and it's ironic too the way it happened. There's one team right now that has employed some weird outfield shifts. The Kansas City Royals. They'll bring that right fielder yeah. in, <laughs> and they'll shift the two outfielders over. And it's the craziest thing to see. And we just, you know, we're all anxious to see something happen against that. So we, we pointed out, we had just pointed out all the room in left field. Well, he pokes one out into left field, and you're like, he's going to run forever. Coming around into second base, he reached back hard. I mean, it, it, it looked like it grabbed him pretty good. So it's concerning. I mean, it's very concerning. He's a huge part of this offensive machine. So uh, fingers crossed. We'll just see how it goes and, and uh, you know, hope that he gets back quickly and hope that you know, Marcus took off at that point, uh, which was very helpful. But other guys are obviously going to have to step in and, and, and produce, you know, maybe a little above and beyond what you you would expect normally. So he, he's just a big one. You can't you can't go too long without him.
1: I got to ask you the overall baseball question. Getting away from this series, when we talk about the rule changes, I'm sure Ranger Television, you guys do the greatest broadcast. But back in the day at the old ballpark, when you guys had four and a half hour games at that place, was miserable. I got to think your broadcast is even better at about two twenty five, two thirty.
0: Yeah, it, it, it. You cannot get better than where <laughs> we are right now with these two and a half hour games, man. It, so I was just talking to Tom Greve today, my yeah. longtime partner here, yeah. and, and Mr. Ranger, as he's known in Arlington. Uh, I was talking to him today about it, and, and he said, man, it, it's, it's amazing because he retired into last year. He's like, I think of all the stupid things that I just found myself saying because I'm trying to fill three and a half hours. Yeah. And um, he's like, I wouldn't have that problem now because the action just keeps going. It's great. It's not like basketball or football that way. But uh, we still have plenty of opportunity to make complete asses of ourselves. But, um, but not quite the same as it used to be. So, yeah, it definitely helps the show a ton, man. You know.
1: You know well, yo, and, and, I mean, obviously you guys had some great teams. And you think going to the World Series two straight years or going back to the days with Pudge and Juan gone, I used to say all the time, whether it's Fenway Park or it's Arlington. Those are the toughest twenty-seven outs, cause you just never knew. And by the way, when I you know, last time I was traveling with the team before COVID and I was there at the old ballpark, I was trying to broker a deal. Could we just bring the that ballpark out here? I was trying to yeah, broker right. that
0: deal. Yeah. That would have been that's a see to me, that's a reasonable solution. It's not just a smart solution. That's reasonable. It can't be that expensive to pick that thing up and take it out there. Can we can, can we do it for less than twelve billion dollars? I think we <laughs> yeah. um, Man, I got to tell you, that's that's a thing for me. This morning, uh, you know, we got the news last night. Obviously, what's going on back there, and I hate to, you, know, you guys are probably all worn out on the subject. But for for other people, right? For for A's fans, I hope they know uh, how important they are to the American League. How they, important they are to baseball. It's this is gutting. Uh, and I understand it. You know, it's, it's a big business thing. There are a lot of different parties involved in this thing. I love coming to Oakland, and I know a lot of people don't say that uh, because of the ballpark experience. It's, but it's a the fans there are passionate. They're knowledgeable. They, you know, you come out and it's a, it's a true experience. And I just think of all the history there. Think of all the great players that were developed by Oakland. Um, it's it's. Uh, that is really disappointing and sad news, but I refuse to believe that we're at a finish line yet on this. Because I remember when the Giants were going to go to St. Pete, right? Didn't happen. Figured out a way. There's a solution to be had. I think in, in in all these scenarios, and I'm I'm still hopeful. And I'm right there with all the Oakland fans that that somebody's going to come up with the answer. And if that means that we got to ship that thing from across the street out there to Oakland, let's do it. Uh, I just want to make sure that we still have baseball in Oakland. And the, some of the great fans in the game can still come out and support baseball because it's a uh, it's a treat with the drum drum uh, crew out there in right field and and stopper and and uh, just all the nonsense at that ballpark. I love it.
1: Well, I can tell you that means a lot. We got a lot of A's fans watching right now, obviously, and I can guarantee you that what you just said means a lot to them. Thank you so much for the time. We truly appreciate it. And next time we'll see you. We'll see you out in Oakland.
0: Love it, Chris. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on.
1: Thank you. Dave Raymond, TVT, TV, TV, TV play-by-play man for the Texas Rangers. And there you go. You're getting a lot of that today. You're getting a lot of it yesterday. And you're going to get a lot of that going forward. Um, I can tell you our, our friend Jeff Blum reached out to me yesterday, the Cal Bear, the World Series hero, now TV for the – Houston Astros reach out to me because how much the Bay area means to him and his life, his time going to Cal and all the times coming back and playing there in Oakland. You're going to hear a lot of that. You're going to hear a lot of support out there for you. A's fans out there from a lot of people in the game. And once again, that's why we're going to keep doing what we do. Cause you're going to have moments like that. You're going to have a lot of moments where you're going to have people from other teams. Talk about you, the A's fans.
4: Yeah. I thought what Dave said was great. And he's, he told the truth, and it's. I think you're right. I think we're going to see a lot of broadcasters, uh, writers, who maybe we don't always see at the ballpark. They're going to talk about the fans in Oakland and how great they are. So that's a, good, that's a good start for the fans, and I know that after a tough last couple of days, that's probably really – after what you said at the beginning of the show and what Dave just said, I'm pretty sure that's kind of lifted their spirits maybe a little bit, but it's better than
1: nothing, right? Totally. And, you know, I, I, to me – Talk about attendance is I, I've never liked talking about attendance because the people who attend games, watch this show, call into the postgame show. If you don't go to A's games, if you don't participate, you're not a part of our audience. I don't care about you. So I'm not going to insult the people that do go to the games, who do spend their hard-earned money on going to our games and backing this Backing us, buying the merch, calling into the post game show, and all that. So I never talked to tenants. But as I'm going to tell you, I think the attendance stuff that's all being thrown out there, I can just look at another franchise that's the San Francisco Giants, where there was always talk about attendance. But in the end, once you get the new ballpark, once the Giants moved into Pac Bell Park, it's Oracle Park now. But once the Giants moved into Pac-Belt, no one mentioned attendance anymore. Those were, I mean, we don't even talk about Candlestick Park anymore. Candlestick but you drive up 101 as sad as it is. I mean, I covered a lot of football games there, covered a lot of baseball games there. I mean, Candlestick's gone, torn down. No one, no one even thinks about it anymore, right? When's the last time, you know, maybe there's some old Niner footage Montana or Young or Rice or whatever, Bill Walsh, George Seifert. You might see some old Ronnie Lott. I mean, but you don't see Candlestick Park footage anymore. It's rare. No one even even brings it up. So don't sweat the attendance stuff is what I'm trying to say. I think a lot of people have been trying to bring that up. It's always such a – I'm going to call it clickbait if that – If if I'm using that correctly, whenever you use attendance, it's like it's like it's like quickly throwing gasoline on the fire to make it to make it burn faster. Right. But then what happens with that? The flame goes back down. Essentially, talking attendance is purely gasoline on the fire. Once again, you put gasoline on the fire. It immediately makes it go up, but then it comes back down. Stop sweating attendance. It's not attendance. Once again. No, once once Pack Bell Park opened up and the Giants had what they had, nobody would no one even mentioned, no one cared about the candlestick park attendance. This is so far beyond attendance at this point. It's big business, big stakes, big money, politics. It's not attendance. In my opinion.
4: Uh, you I think you use it correctly, the the clickbait. I think it's clickbait.
1: That- like I get oh attendance and people click on it and they get angry. Page views. They want page views and uh, impressions. When you talk billions of dollars, when you talk politics, when you talk state, state politics, county politics, local politics, that there's so much involved in all this. It's not about attendance. So stop stop stressing about it. Just stop. I know we were going to do, they were going to put this reverse boycott. It, it's not about attendance. It's so far above that. <laughs> it, the The... the the business of getting these things done is so far above that.
4: Yeah. Well, we've seen how hard it is for stadium stuff in California over the years. So um, yeah. it's hard everywhere. Yeah. The, the attendance, I mean, that's all everyone, all the national uh, pundits, pundits want to talk about. Um, there, it's Once people. again,
1: people who never yeah. show up, people who don't know, people well, have you know no what? connection to it. It's like,
4: you know, I'll go local media, too.
1: Who never show up. Who never show
4: up or never part of it. Who are here when the Yankees are in town or when the when the, when the the team's in the playoffs. So, oh, the A's are in the playoffs because yeah. we got to be here.
1: Where are you on Tuesday night and on <laughs> Wednesday night? Where are you? I'm here. Where are you? Warriors game. Yeah, it's like I, 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 I don't even want to hear from people. Like the media. I don't even want to hear from the. You know, maybe I maybe I. I should have done this years ago. Maybe I do it. Maybe I take a video and I walk through the press box. Hey, where are, where, where, look at all these empty seats. Where's all this media with all these big takes? Because I can tell you, I could have done that all these years, even in playoff years, 12, 13, 14, 18, 19. No one is, no 20s. Where, where are all these people with these hot takes? Where are they all around? They're not around. They're not around. Yeah, I, I haven't seen any of them, but you know, you know who's been
4: at the Coliseum more than I've seen them? Ken Rosenthal, our buddy Ken Rosenthal. Yeah. Ken Rosenthal's been at the Coliseum more recently. And I've seen half the media that have be, have all these hot. Oh, the in national the Bay Area. people. Oh, I'll talk about the yeah, Bay Area too.
1: Yeah, I, I can tell. I like, like. I can tell you, our good friend Bob Nightingale saw him multiple times at spring training. Multiple times. I was there multiple times. Saw him multiple times at Ho-Ho Camp. Yes, we just saw Ken Rosenthal. We've seen Tom Verducci. We've seen all these guys. Local media? Let's just the Yankees yeah, Okay. here here. You want off full of crap the local media I don't even know why we're oh, getting on this. Giants too. I don't even know why we're getting on this. Um you know how many local media showed up when Steph Curry threw out the first pitch last year? Yes, because I was here. I was there. It was insane. It's 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 like you're you, you're never here, like you don't even come when the Giants play anymore. You're never here. You never come for anything. And now you all have a pin. Like, the only time you show up is to watch Steph Curry throw out the Bay. You know, if you want to talk about trying to squeeze every ounce of every little thing out of uh, of a franchise, the Bay Area has tried to squeeze every single drip of whatever they can get out of the Golden State Warriors, which could be coming to an end.
4: I mean, two days ago, it was doom and gloom. Warriors are done. They won last night. Oh, Warriors are winning this series. Don't
1: don't make me leave the screen and leave you all alone again as a Kings fan. <laughs> no, I'm so. I'm just saying, financially, media, you've squeezed everything out. You had people who showed up just to watch Steph Curry throw out the first pitch with his wife, and that's like that. That's that's the one time you've come in X amount of years. See that what 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 people can't fall back on locally is. They can't do like a Pittsburgh. Well, you've been under 500 for 20 years. Well, we haven't. We've been very relevant. We won 97 games two straight years. We had guys in the MVP hunt. We had guys in the Cy Young hunt. We had guys in the All-Star game. We were pretty damn good in 12, 13, and 14. Oh, yeah, in 14, we had the most guys in the All-Star game. And, oh, before that? Hudson, Mulder, Zito, Giambi, Tejada. They wrote a book about it. It was a bestseller. They made a movie about it. It was uh, up for an Academy Award. Don't act like nothing's been going on here for the last 24 years because that is a flat-out lie. Stuff's been going on. A lot of people just haven't covered it locally. Let's face it. Everything changed when Pac Bell opened up. I wasn't here, but I'll take your word for it. Well, I I lived it. I mean, I was the first broadcaster on opening day, Giants Dodgers. I was doing the KMBR morning show. I started out the morning show, then Gary came in. So, technically, the first official day of Pac Bell Park, I'm the first broadcaster ever to go live. Fact. They don't say that now over there, do they? When they when I show up, I'm the A's guy. I'm evil. It's always, oh, it's always funny the reaction I get when I go over there
4: well I don't think you're evil but I mean well I maybe to them
1: <laughs> Bill Moriarty's gonna join us because like we just said I mean how do you look at three and 16 miserable but I'll look at it this way if this team wasn't three and 16 like 19 games let's say they were just four games under 500 we wouldn't have change. And it'd just be prolonging a bad team. The bad start is leading us to think about change. Mason Miller, up. Jordan Diaz, up. Who's next? Well, we'll talk to Bill. He's going to tell us right here on A's Cast Live. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
2: Streaming from the East Bay A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend
1: Well now joining us on A's Cast Live Editor-in-Chief of Athletics Farm Bill, very interesting times But as we've always known here uh, Bill, that um, things are never boring
5: yeah, that's for sure. Well, I'm 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 glad I could uh, join you on a slow news day and uh, give you something to talk about when there's a, not much else going on here. But, uh, you know, that's the good thing about prospects, minor league players, young players, whatever's going on. It, it, there's always something sort of promising to look forward to in the future when you're talking about some of these young guys anyway. So maybe uh, hopefully that's something we can we can focus on to give us all a, a a relief at this stage of the game.
1: Yeah, in my opening, you know, we wanted to tell A's fans how much we love them, how much they mean to us, and that you know we're all in the same boat. You know, this we're we're he- we're heading into an unknown world that truly affects all of us. It's just not them; it affects all of us. So we want yeah. we wanted to show some gratitude and be very humble and and. Know that we're all in the same boat. And I know, you know, for for you and your work all these years, what uh, you've done surrounding this franchise.
5: Yeah, and even, you know, b- before I was, uh, you know, working covering the A's and the organization, I mean, I'm I'm a lifelong A's fan myself. I mean, I was born and raised in Northern California. You know, I grew up in a family of A's fans. I've been an A's fan since since i was a wee lad and uh, you know and all that time the team has been in oakland you know that's that's the oakland a's that i've been following for for low these many so, um, you know, obviously for people like you and me, it's not just uh, a matter of work, it's it's personal too. So we certainly all, you know, can, you know, deeply feel exactly what, what everyone else is feeling out there. But like you said before too, um, you know, the the work must go on. So, you know, we have to do what we have to do and uh, do our best and and hope for the best as you. Uh, your last guest said, too, you know, and nothing's over till it's over, you know, so there's still a lot to play out here. So all we can do is hope for the best and and do what we got to do and put one foot, foot in there and still whatever happens. I'm not going to let any developments that anyone else puts forward. Uh, Come in the way of my love and the joy that I get from the game of baseball. You know, I, I will. I will not allow that to be tarnished by anyone or anything. Uh, so I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep keep true to that if I can.
1: Control the controllables, and that's what we are going to do. I've made this statement. I wonder if you're going to back me on this. I believe that if this team was, I don't know, eight and eleven, seven and twelve. If they were right around in that range, this would be stick with the process. We would still, but net. But the fact that the ball club got out to such a horrific start at 3-16, it's allowed this, all right, what the hell? Bring up Mason Miller, let's go. Jordan Diaz brought him up at the end of last year. Bring him up now. I mean, it's going to be, you know, when, when, when you know, Soderstrom geloff like like we wouldn't be having this discussion with you if the team was like
5: eight and 11 at this point would you agree Yeah, you know, oh completely I th- I think you know you you and I were both of the mindset that you know hey why not let just let the kids play this year you yes. know let them get out there why not but you know the A's obviously they wanted to bring in some veterans I think hope well you know maybe we can get off to a better start have a better winning record everybody'll feel a little more positive. It'll build some confidence before we start bringing the guys up later in the year. If we we've got a winning team going anyway, but you know you get off to that you know atrocious start, quite honestly. And so it's like, well, you know what, that plan ain't working. You know what? Let's uh, let's go to Plan B and you know start bringing up some of these guys and and get it going. And I I was glad, you know, when I saw Mason Miller make that that great start in AAA, where he threw five innings, didn't didn't allow a hit or a walk, and struck out eleven. My first thought was why wait you know the guy's hot the guy's on a roll (laughs) he's got it working get him up there now you know why wait for him to have a few bad starts let's go yeah you know why wait and i was so relieved to see them do it you know i I thought i was going to be the only one saying that except for you of course but but i mean i was so relieved to see them do that so hopefully we're going to see some more of that you know this season i mean obviously we got Tyler Soderstrom down there. Zach Geloff's come back from the shoulder injury. He's been playing well the six games since he's been back. You've got JJ Blade down there too. Your guy Cody Thomas has been on quite a quite a tear as well. Yes, so. <laughs> yes. Remember,
1: I've been I've been like I've been so high on him because it's like he's an older guy, which doesn't fit my model. I don't want older <laughs> players, but I, I. But he's he's a young player at heart. He hasn't had a lot of time. But I said it in the offseason, I said it last year when I saw him, I, I know the numbers weren't there. We're starting to see it now. Folks, you're dealing with a primetime athlete. You get, you get recruited to play quarterback at one of the all-time legacy schools like Oklahoma. I'd say this if this was SC, if this was you know, Michigan, if this was Ohio State, if it was Alabama. If it, I mean, this is – Oklahoma is a legacy school. They pick and choose who they want. You don't go the, under Lincoln Riley, who now is at SC, but was, at, was the coach there. You're not going to play there unless you are a legit athlete. The fact that he was recruited, started, and played games at Oklahoma tells you this guy's got size, he's got speed, he's got an arm. I mean – the tools are there. I just I want to see it and at least give him a shot.
5: Yeah, well, I, I I know you've been driving the Cody Thomas bandwagon, so that's why I wanted to mention him. He's leading Vegas in home runs. He's got seven already, and they've only played, I think, 18 games. He's leading the team in RBIs. And like I said, at this stage of the game, if somebody's tearing it up down there in Vegas – Why not give him a shot? If not now, you know, when, you know, this is the person, give him a shot. Just see, you know, maybe flames out. Turns out he can only hit in AAA. All right, well, let's find it out. What do you you have to lose? Yeah, just what I was about to say. What are you going to lose? You know, at least it'll be fun and exciting. You'll have something new to look forward to every day, you know, to see how the new guys do. So, you know, I'm, I'm with you, you know, this is the, this is the time to play around. This is a time to experiment. If a guy goes on a tear, let him do that. If a starter throws five shutout innings with 11 strikeouts, Hey, come up and give him a go. You know, I mean, it's not like, um, you know, they've got five guys who are lights out every, uh, every day, you know? Um, so, I mean, You know, one way or another, you know, these guys are going to get up here this year, whether it's sooner or later. I mean, we are going to see Geloff at some point. We're going to see Soderstrom at some point. As long, you know, health willing, as long as they stay healthy. You know, I'm sure we're going to see Bladé at some point. Hopefully, we'll see your boy Cody Thomas, too. There's even another guy, Trenton Brooks down there. Another left-handed hitting outfielder. They signed as a minor league free agent in the offseason. Uh... He's been on an incredible tear. He's hitting just as well as Cody Thomas is now. Um, he's hitting around 350. He's got an OPS over a thousand. You know, this is anonymous guy, never played in the majors. I think he's 27, and um, you know, just been on a total tear down there. So, you know, just you know, why not give these guys a shot? What do you got to lose right now? And and it'll be more interesting and entertaining than you know just trotting out the same guys, uh, you know, uh, every day that that aren't doing a whole lot.
1: You know, I, I want people to understand with Mason Miller, because it's kind of like, I mean, how is this? I mean, 15 times he had 100 miles an hour. It was like amazing. <laughs> you know, how does this story go? Well, my, my daughter's a type one diabetic. And mm. it is amazing when y- you don't know you have this disease and what's happening to your body and your body chemistry and your body is not functioning well. And then all of a sudden, once you're able to be diagnosed and tackle this thing and start correcting your blood sugar with insulin, and it's amazing how the human being changes. Mm-hmm. I can see how I don't know what he was throwing before he was diagnosed, if it was 92, 93, but just what it would have been doing to his body to all of a sudden be diagnosed, get the right care, and have his body come back and now all of a sudden, bang, he's throwing 100. I get that. I it, This is a great story. I don't know how long it's going to last, but I got to tell you, watching him in his debut with everything that's going on, that was pretty effortless 100. That was pretty and, – and if you're going to tell me in his career so far, throwing 100 miles an hour and throwing strikes and throwing strikes with his secondary pitches, Wow.
5: Yeah. And, you know, and like you always say, I mean, it gives you something to look forward to. You're you're already looking forward to his next start. Right. Oh, I mean, you no know, doubt. No <laughs> you doubt. Know, it, it gives you something to live for during the season. And, and like you mentioned, you know, before he realized he was diabetic, he was uh, a tall, skinny, lanky guy. Uh, and then once he learned about the, the, the diabetes, he started, you know, eating right, you know, taking care of himself nutritionally. And he put on all this weight. And suddenly, he had a lot more power, a lot more strength, you know. And with all that added weight, he was really able to get the velocity up there, and and that just changed everything for him. So, learning about um, uh, his uh, uh, diabetes uh, diagnosis and and then adapting and and getting the proper nutrition and eating right totally changed his body, totally changed his velocity, and totally changed his game, and made him into the the hot prospect that he is today.
1: I would be fine if. And once again, I'm open to anything at this point. When you're 3 and 16, I'm open to anything. I would be fine if you said Fuji on Saturday, Mason on Sunday. And the rest of the week, we'll figure it out. (laughs) Right? Right. Like, you got these two hot commodities, like Fuji Saturdays, Mason Sundays. I mean, going to get... Kyle Muller in there. J.P. Sears is going tonight. He's been impressive so far. I don't know what's going to happen with Kaprilian. Uh, chuck has thrown the ball well the last two times out. I mean, I, who else is going to Is Adrian Martinez going to get more? I don't know. But I'd be cool if you want to go Fuji on Saturday, Mason on Sunday, and just say, hey, you guys are going one day a week.
5: Yeah, and uh, I I know both of us are are not terribly fond of that whole, you know, six-man rotation idea, but the state that the A's are in now, you know, maybe this is not a bad time because a lot of these pitchers haven't pitched a lot of innings. Mason Miller has not pitched a lot, so he's not going to be out here throwing 200 innings, you know, and making 30 starts this year, Um, and obviously Fuji isn't either, so maybe it's time where everybody's got their day, they go, you know, they know their day, they go out, they do their thing, you stock the bullpen full of a bunch of relievers, you know, (laughs) who (laughs) could cover if there's any problem and uh you know and and you hope for the best but i mean this has got to be a year of experimentation you know why not try things out um you know hopefully jordan diaz gets in there gets to play you know why not give him a little time at third base give him a little time at second base try him out around the infield see what works see what sticks you know sometimes you know you just got to throw a few things against the wall to find out what sticks and and this is the perfect time to do it fuji
1: saturdays Mason Sundays, Moriarty Mondays. How about that?
5: We'll get you on Monday. (laughs) I'm all for it. Give me the ball. Put me in, Coach. (laughs) Uh,
1: Recently, you were able to sit down with the director of player development, Ed Sprague, the World Series champion, the Olympic gold medalist out of Stanford, uh, now a big part of our organization. What did Mr. Sprague have to say to you?
5: Well, you know, uh, we talked to him about most of the A's top prospects. You can find the uh, the podcast with Ed Sprague on, uh, on uh, A's cast there. And um, one of the interesting things I think you might find interesting is we talked a little bit about Lawrence Butler, you know. Yeah. And obviously, like everyone, he was impressed with what Lawrence Butler did in spring training for the A's. But he said that he, you know, sat out and had a talk with him before. He went down to midland and said look you know i i i know you performed well when you knew all the eyes were on you in spring training and mark kotze and the major league coaching staff are watching you every day and you, you know you brought the intensity and turned up the heat but but i want to see you keep that intensity when you go down to midland and you're toiling in the trenches in west texas and everybody in the organization isn't there watching you every day he said you know a lot of guys are like that. You know, they can turn it on, you know, when the when the spotlights on them. They're kind of big game players, you know. But then when it comes to kind of the the sometimes drudgery of daily life, particularly in the minor leagues, maybe that intensity, you know, fades away a little bit. So he he had that advice to offer Lawrence Butler before going down to Midland. And you know, honestly, Lawrence Butler did get off to a bit of a slow start at Midland. He's been picking it up a little bit lately. I think he's hitting about 250 now. Um, and hopefully he'll, um, you know, he'll uh, keep it keep it going and get better as the season goes on. But uh, hopefully he takes Ed Sprague's advice to heart. But sometimes it's hard. You know, baseball is a grueling sport. It happens every day, especially in the minor leagues. You're playing in not ideal conditions to keep that intensity level, to keep that focus. Um, you know, when when you're kind of toiling away in anonymity can be a little difficult. So I thought it was interesting that Ed Sprague thought it was important to sit down and have that conversation with Lawrence Butler at that point. Um, The kind of other interesting thing down there is, you know, Denzel Clark is supposed to be starting the season in Midland, but he's had a bit of a shoulder strain. So he's been down in Arizona. Um, you know, getting that in shape. And uh, I've been told he should be back before too long. It doesn't appear to be that serious, but he hasn't been able to get on the field yet. But once we have both Lawrence Butler and Denzel Clark in the outfield in Midland, that'll be a pretty exciting uh, duo duo to watch down there once they're both uh, both going.
1: I'm never going to judge anybody for playing in the WBC because I think it's a a <laughs> wonderful experience whether you get to play for the United States or you go play for like Denzel Clark played for Canada. But you just talked about Lawrence Butler and everything he did in spring training. All eyes were on him. Everybody was watching him. We had the play-by-play every day here on AceCast. Everybody's going nuts. This guy's amazing. Look, our social media is putting out his highlights and all that. And where's Denzel Clark? Well, he's on Team Canada. Right. So it's like, and now he hasn't played. So as much as the WC has helped everybody, is there a scenario where maybe for Denzel Clark, the WC wasn't so hot from a standpoint of inside this organization?
5: Yeah, I mean, because he I don't know if you remember, but early on he was hitting, you know, pretty much just as well as Lawrence Butler, uh, too. You know, he got off to a great start in spring training camp. You know, all I could say is I know if I was a minor league player trying to make an impression and move my way up the ladder in an organization, I would want to be spending every minute I could in major league camp. You know, I mean, that is where I would want to be. I would want Mark Kotze and the major league pitching staff and David Forst watching me perform every single day. I wouldn't want to be off somewhere else and just having them getting reports on on my occasional appearances. So, I mean, just from a personal perspective, if I was a minor league player, I want to be there where where I can have the biggest impact on my own career and be able to make the biggest impression possible. So, Yeah, I mean, if I was Denzel Clark or any other minor league player, I'd want to spend every minute I could in the major league camp and spring training because that is certainly the best way to to make an impression on the important decision makers in any organization.
1: All righty. This team needs pitching. That's an understatement. They're last in ERA. They're last in starters ERA, and they're 29th in bullpen ERA. So who can help? This team, they need help. Who's out there? Who's in the system right now, in the minor league system, who can help this pitching staff?
5: So, uh, obviously, number one was Mason Miller. He's already here, so we can't add him now because he's already here. here. Uh (laughs) Mason Sundays are here. Um, uh, That now – Probably the next most promising prospect would be Louis Medina, who is also a hard thrower who's at Vegas. Um, His second to last start, he had a really, really good outing, looked really sharp. Uh, But his last start, he just threw. Um, The control was an issue again. You know, unfortunately, he's, you know, still walking too many guys. If Louis Medina can get get a little bit of control he's got the stuff to make a difference but we need to see him showing consistent command of that stuff but he's probably the most promising most talented guy at vegas right now unfortunately as we know freddie tarnock is on the injured list hogan harris had a you know a brief moment in the sun and he's He's got those control issues, too. So, unfortunately, that's problematic. Um, Colin Palouse, uh, some folks might remember him. uh, He uh, just had a a very good start last night at Vegas. He threw five uh, shutout innings in Vegas. And uh, anytime you can throw five shutout innings in the Pacific Coast League, um, you may be eligible to win some sort of award. You need a trophy. um, You should get some type of participation trophy. (laughs) So that that was good to see out of him. His first start of the season was a little rough, but the last three have been good. I think over his last three starts, he has, I think, a 2.57 ERA. So again, that's pretty good in the Pacific Coast League. He's been striking out a batter in inning. So Colin Palouse could be a name to watch as well. Also in the bullpen, I don't know if you remember uh, who we got for your friend Christian Pache from uh, Philadelphia, but right-hander Billy Sullivan. He's been pitching really well out of the Vegas bullpen and uh, he hadn't given up an earned run all season until just uh, uh, last night. I think it was gave up his first earned run. So he's been pitching really well of strikeouts as well so i'd say if they need a a bullpen arm uh billy sullivan could be somebody to look for also spencer Patton is an older free agent they just recently signed minor league free agent he's been pitching well at um at vegas too and he's been uh he's he can be a bit of a strikeout pitcher too but i'd say they need an arm out of the bullpen billy sullivan and um in the starting rotation if louis uh, medina can get the control issues under control um He's very talented. And if Colin Palouse can just keep doing what he's doing, uh, you know, he could be another guy who could get an opportunity as well. But if you go a little further down to Midland, couple of guys have been pitching very well there. And they're both a, a couple of guys that we've gotten from our friends, the Atlanta Braves. And they were guys that maybe weren't talked about so much. But I don't know if you remember Joey Estes. He came over in the um, Matt Olson deal. And he won Texas League Pitcher of the Week honors last week. He threw five shutout innings last week, had a really good outing. And then Roy Salinas, who came over in the Sean Murphy deal, probably the guy who was mentioned the least, He's been pitching in the Midland uh, starting rotation down there. Been throwing well, throwing hard, racking up lots of strikeouts, pitching very well. So I think um, Joey Estes and Roy Salinas are guys people might not have thought about so much, but they're both very talented and they're both pitching at at Midland, pitching very well down there. So they could be uh, not too many steps away as well.
1: I you know I'm so glad we have you on, and because I mean the fact that you're delivering that. Because that's the type of news where you go, right now, you could just be like, all these trades are a disaster. They're just a disaster. But that's, you know, David Forrest said it the other day, things take time. When you make trades, trades take time. You got to wait to truly evaluate trades a few years down the road. Like if all of a sudden you've got, you know, a. Let's say three or four of your starters in the rotation are coming from these trades with the Braves because you already got Mueller here. Mm -hmm. Now you'd be looking at it going, oh, okay, that's a different way to look at it.
5: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, again, like I said, they forget some of the guys who maybe are a little further down the development line. You know, they they don't get mentioned as much. It's like, oh, what's this guy who's right here right now doing? Well, there's a lot of guys in those trades, you know, they're they're collecting. A lot of warm bodies, and sometimes it takes a few years for the for the other warm bodies to develop. But yeah, Joey Estes too. He's he's very young. I mean, he's still in his er, early early twenties, and you know he's been pitching very well. He pitched very well last year at Lansing. Now pitching very well at AA Midland, and like I said, Roy Berceditas. People kind of. Almost forgot to mention him when they were talking about the Sean Murphy trade, but the A's targeted him for a reason. He's a young, hard throwing guy, and uh, again, doing very well at double A, which is not that far away. So we could see a couple more pieces of those big uh, trades uh, paying off in, in the fairly near future. You know, one other guy I did want to mention because it's always interesting when these guys who are lower. Uh, draft picks who are kind of off the radar guys just show up and perform well we also had a pitcher at Stockton Jake Garland who was last year's 17th round draft pick for the A's you know that guy wasn't getting a million dollar bonus and um, he really impressed the minor league staff in the spring they put him in the Stockton rotation and last week he pitched five scoreless and hitless innings, striking out seven in Stockton. And he was the California league pitcher of the week last week. This is a guy who was our 17th round draft pick last year. So the A's might've found a little gem for, for next to nothing there in the late stages of the draft last year. So Jake Garland at Stockton is also someone you might want to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah. You know, so many times I'll hear people say, well, the guy's not on the 40 man. If somebody's in their early twenties with a good arm and then get people out, Figure it
5: out and get them up here. Yeah, I, mean, I want to you know, see young guys. Yeah, there's always you know people. Oh, we can't we can't DFA it's this guy. What do we do man. if we? Uh, If we lose Dermis Garcia, you know, life will never be the same. You know, I mean, you got to take a little risk and get a young, talented guy in there, you know. I mean, not all these guys on the 40-man are automatically Hall of Famers, you know. Oh, there's no doubt. Great work as always. We truly appreciate it. Keep your spirits up, and
1: we'll talk soon.
5: You too, Chris. Keep the faith. Look forward to talking to you again soon.
1: Bill Moriarty, he does a great job. There's no doubt about it. Uh, What's his Twitter handle?
4: Cody at Athletics Farm is a Twitter handle. He does at it. Athletics
1: Farm. And we still haven't gotten into Scherzer, your boy Nando. May Nando's bet over five. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. Madison Bumgarner DFA'd. All of his money's being picked up by Arizona. Sounds like an Oakland A already. No, I want no. young guys. <laughs> I don't want old guys. Sorry. But there's well, a lot to get into. The Matt, the Max Scherzer, he's been suspended now for ten games. So that was the thing. Is like when he got thrown out, and you and I were texting. I'm like, well, if you get thrown out for that, the rule is you're out. You get
4: suspended. Yeah, ten games. He's out, and he's now the third guy to be suspended for ten games. It was Hector, uh Hector Santiago was the first one, and why am I drawing a blank on? Oh. um no, I lost his name again. It was
1: the dude from the D-backs and the guy
4: from the Oh, Cal- uh, Caleb Smith. Yeah, Man. Santiago and Smith and now Max Scherzer. Because when I think of guys getting thrown out of games, I think of Max Scherzer.
1: Well, I mean, hey, you got sticky stuff on your hands. Go wash it. They're being cool, right? What's his name with the Yankees? Uh, Domingo Hermann. Domingo Hermann. They gave him – they're trying to be cool about it. Go wash your hands. So Scherzer goes, washes his hands, and then comes back with a glove that is super sticky inside the glove. And they're like, really? Come on, man. We're trying to help you out. Then there's a third time he comes back, and his hands are stickier than they were the time before. It's like, I mean, what do you want the umpires to do? Zach Kreiser from Yahoo Sports joins us here. National baseball writer. Love having him on. I think the... The last time we had you on was down in uh, San Diego at the winter meetings.
2: Yes, it was.
1: Well, I, I I, mean, you heard what we were just saying. I mean, they were doing they, – they've they've done everything they can. They're like, wash your hands, get a different glove. Like, they, they're doing everything they can, and you keep having sticky hands. It's a problem. Then, then all of a sudden now we have everybody's baseline on StatCast because once they were like, we're fully enforcing this – everybody's numbers, spin rates, everything went down. So, and then they'll have like 11, 10, 11 starts where they have that baseline. So now if you're really exceeding that baseline, it's getting to be pretty obvious. So, I mean, what do you do if you're umpires? I mean, it's we have put them in a tough spot. I mean, it's not like they have medical kits out there where they can actually check to see what's on guys' hands. I mean, I mean I, but obviously, if you keep coming out with sticky stuff, we got a problem.
2: Right. I, I think the the problem that people are having with the Max Scherzer situation specifically is so far we've had the three suspensions, the three ejections that you guys just talked about. And the same umpire has uh, been behind all of them, you know? Uh, So there seems to be a little bit of distrust, whether he's right or not. I think people can believe that there was sticky stuff on, on these guys. It's just, is it the case that they are doing something above and beyond what everyone else is doing or do we have one pretty strict dump and then a lot of umpires like the one we saw with Domingo Herman who are being a little bit more lenient and saying I don't know how to really say if this is ejectable or not. And and that's kind of a problem for MLB to solve because yes. you're right it's a little much to put on the umpires. MLB kind of has to step in and say what the standard is for this because too sticky is just not a very useful uh, standard when they are allowed to use rosin. It's just how much rosin is it combined with anything else? Are they mixing it on their glove with something? You know, all of these factors that are pretty hard to gauge on the spot. I pitched. I used rosin and I sweated, and it wasn't like my hands
1: were super. I mean, it's just it's. But then again, our umpires—they're not forensic files, right? This isn't. We're not, we're not. Hey, put your hand under the blue light. Let's expect. You know, let's going to take samples. I mean, it's just a. Uh, it's a tough situation, and. You know, Dan Plesak just recently said on MLB Network back in his time as an all-star closer, they always said, don't ever go out there without your friend, always, meaning pintar, always take your friend out there. You need your friend. I mean, I don't know what to do. I, I know we're experimenting with sticky baseballs. I just I, I just don't – or, or tackier baseball. I just don't know what the answer is. I, I, do, I do know this. If we got a bunch of guys throwing 100-plus and they don't know where it's going – hitters want them to be using something to make sure they know where it's going.
2: Right. And I I think, you know, I was actually just talking to uh, Zach Nito, the new angel shortstop who came up from double a directly. And in double a, they're using the new, the they're experimenting with tacky balls. Uh, And he was kind of talking about how the movement is different in double a right now than what you would expect because the balls have more grip to them, Uh, which I imagine once you because you're a pitcher and you get used to that you you would calibrate it but uh you know having stickier balls and still doing whatever you were usually doing is gonna kind of create some different situations we heard the same thing when guys went over to japan to play in the olympics uh when and they used a different ball so there's all of those things to adjust to and i think the best solution is one where uh the baseball is doing a lot of that stuff for you. So you don't have to bring your own concoction of sticky stuff to put on the baseball. But, uh, until then, yeah, if, if Rosin is going to be allowed on the mound, then there's going to be some gray area as to what you can do with it.
1: Well, I can tell you yesterday was a day off. It was an emotional day. So I spent all day at the golf course. I played 36 holes and I watch the golf ball, a ball move in a lot of different ways. All over the place, spinning all over the place. It takes me to your article when we're talking about vertical approach angle, VAA. When a ball comes out of a pitcher's hands, there's a lot of different things it can do. There's a lot of different ways that it can, how it spins and how it drops I, I thought your article, Yahoo Sports, I thought it was fantastic. VAA, and we now with like fan graphs can check it, but what guys are doing with baseball is just not all sticky stuff. It's how do you make the ball dance and move and make it hard for hitters to make contact?
2: Right, and the, the reason I wanted to write about this particular metric and, and the reason I found it interesting is even when we got StatCast data back in 2015, there were still some guys who you'd look at their success and say, I don't really, there's nothing in these numbers that, that explains why, you know, say Freddie Peralta on the Brewers was a good example. He threw 93 with his fastball and guys could not touch it. No one could hit the thing. And it was not apparent from the velocity. Obviously it wasn't very apparent from spin rates. It just didn't make a lot of sense as to why, okay, This guy's throwing 93, and it is getting more swing and misses than a lot of guys throwing 98. And that is kind of the part of the question that BAA can answer, which is he throws from a low arm slot, and the ball ends up up in the zone. So when it gets to the hitter, it... Feels like it's rising. It's not technically rising. He's not, not possible submarines. with
1: gravity. People need to understand, gravity right, will not allow anything to rise.
2: They are throwing from a mound that is above the plate, and so it's going down. It is always going down, but the key is what hitters are used to seeing. And if it is above what the hitter's eye expects, like, you know, these are major league hitters. They've been seeing thousands of pitches a week for their entire life. They have a really good calibration of what the ball usually looks like and where it's usually going to be. And the guys who can upset that by either throwing from a weird angle or throwing in different locations or using their pitch movement to, to throw hitters off, that's what this is helping measure is the shape of a pitch as compared to usual.
1: Well, and you, you lead it off with Paul Seawall. We've been seeing him for years. I mean, that's where some people have said, Sometimes being funky is better than being this gifted guy that gets up there and just blows at 100 miles an hour, but still gets racked around the ballpark. Being funky, where your arm angle's coming from, you come down low, you cut. I mean, being funky can be a really good thing.
2: Yeah. And if you watch, if you've watched SeaWorld, you know that he, he's not submarine or anything, but he bends down a little bit yeah. and the arm Tall comes at you from a real sidearm and, yeah. action. Yeah. He's got a lot of limbs moving everywhere. And when the ball comes out, it's actually very low when it's on the mound. He's not a short guy, but the ball comes out really low. And by the time he gets to the plate, what the Mariners told him is basically, you know, I know everyone's told you that the best thing is to throw it low and away and just keep hitters trying to, you know, get hitters to try to ground it out or hit it uh, straight to the infield. The Mariners said, no, throw it high. He was like, I that's only I've only ever done that as a mistake. And they showed him the numbers and said, Every time you've thrown it high, it's been great. So he just started throwing the fastball only high. And he's been, you know, he's risen to be their closer now. He's been really good for the past three years since they told him that. And we have the invention. I don't even know if
1: it's really an invention, but what we call basically a flat. We always called it a slurve in between a curveball and a slider, a pitch that was more, you know, was coming sideways. It didn't have that tight spin of a slider, but it didn't have the vertical break of a 12 6 curveball. We called it a slurve, really like a frisbee, like you're throwing a frisbee. Now we're calling it a sweeper. And all of a sudden, you know, because all the pitches get put up on the scoreboard, right? And all the fans are looking up and going, what the hell's the sweeper? We've now got a new pitch
2: hmm that that's a big change this year is uh mlb actually started categorizing sweepers as a different pitch and there so it's showing up on scoreboards showing up on broadcasts showing up on the stat cast stats and i wrote about that a little bit last year it's it's basically we've had this for a long time you're absolutely right even a few years before anyone started talking about it as a sweeper cory kluber's breaking ball was a sweeper i mean when he was at the peak of his powers that thing he was throwing was a sweeper, it would be categorized as one. Now we just didn't really have the word yet because we weren't getting the same nuance of measurements and pitches. So you're absolutely right. The the thing that distinguishes a sweeper is just, it is focused on horizontal movement. A lot of them are a little slower than the, what we are now calling sliders, the pared down group of sliders. Uh, you know, you've got Jacob deGrom throwing sliders over 90 miles an hour. Zach Wheeler gets up there sometimes. And, they're intended those are called basically gyro sliders they spin like a bullet you can't if you see anything on them it's a little dot on the front of the ball
1: is that is that the Dai, Dai, Daisuke Matsuyama who had the gyro ball in Boston remember well, that? he was
2: throwing <laughs> he was throwing a gyro uh, change up type situation but the same spin that sort of spin <laughs> yeah
1: I love and, that uh, Well we have a yeah. ghost we have we have a ghost fork ball now which was really scary right.
2: I don't know what type of spin that one is. That uh, one, uh, I, I don't know what type of spin Well, against is, the A's,
1: but... it worked real well.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, it, she's had good days against not the A's too, but uh, yeah. it's a it's a funky pitch. But the, the sweeper just uses a different type of spin to impart a different type of movement. And so we've started to distinguish it from the slider, basically for clarification. Like, uh, there are going to be guys, there's a couple on the Rays, and I think there's going to be more soon, who throw both there's going to be a sweeper and a slider and they're different pitches. And some guys are going to throw both pitches. You know, when I think about pitching
1: up in the zone, it's such a new thing. My era was, I used to hear it all the time. You got to pound the strike zone down, build a house at the bot. They used to say this all the time, the foundation, build the house at the bottom of the strike zone. And then guys just started launching the hell out of it. And now guys are pitching up in the strike zone because it's tough to it's tough to square that. And, you know, take a guy that's funky, our own Chris Bassett. I mean, you go back and you look at what a hitter sees with Chris Bassett being 6'5. He looks like a prey manis. I mean, he's all arms and legs coming down the hill, and Bassett's only throwing 93, but to a hitter because he doesn't see it, and he pitched up in the zone, it probably looked 97, 98. So it's so interesting that we were such prisoners to the radar gun. How hard does he throw on the radar gun that that we've now realized how we design pitches. It's not exactly the actual velocity that the radar gun's picking up. It's how the hitter sees it. It's how it's coming in. There's all these different ways a pitch can move and everything. I just love that pitching has gotten so better, and we're just not, we're just not sitting there worried about, okay, what's he throwing on the radar gun? Scout says, Ah, oh, he throws 97. He turns in 97. I mean, there's an art to pitching, even with velocity, and it doesn't mean I have to throw 100 miles an hour to be successful.
2: Right. There's just a much wider language now that you can talk about how pitching works. And, you know, if you have it all, then it's great if you can throw a 101. We've seen Jacob deGrom do this. He throws 101, he throws a 92 mile per hour slider, and he has all the great pitch shape qualities. So yeah, if you can do it all, do it all. But most people just can't do it all. You're, you're going to have to leverage the thing you're best at. And if you talk to front offices now, that's what all of them are talking about is, how do we make every guy on our team the best version of himself? And that means finding, you know, for Paul Seawald, for some of these guys, it's, the angle at which their pitch comes, their fastball comes in is the best thing they do. So they really try to lean into that and do that as much as possible for Chris Bassett. He throws like six different pitches. So that unpredictability and keeping guys on the back foot is what he does best. And so he leans into that, you know, there's just different ways of doing it. And that's what front offices are focuses focused on is finding the way to accentuate that.
1: Is there an art form for an organization, whether you're scouting other teams at the big league level or your scouting teams at the minor league level where you can look at a pitcher. He may be struggling. He may be going good. He may be struggling, but you go, you know what? If we had that guy, I would change him and have him do this. And then I think he could be great. Is there an art form to looking at other people's players and saying, I can change him, bring him here and I'll make him better.
2: I think every team is trying to, practice that art form yeah the uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are probably the best case of this they they have done this with a lot of pitchers uh, Drew Rasmussen Jeffrey Springs just uh is injured and out for the year now but uh, a couple guys in their starting rotation they acquired in pretty small trades that weren't you know earth-shifting moves some of them weren't even starters when they got them and they said hey I think you know this is your best pitch whether it's your slider whatever. We're going to change the rest of your arsenal so that it fits with this pitch. You're going to throw that one a lot. And a lot of times the Rays tell them to just throw it right down the middle, Uh, throw that pitch right down the middle, see that hitters can't hit it. And then we'll work around that. I I think the Minnesota Twins, who I featured in that VAA story, uh, their front office came from Cleveland. The the leaders came from Cleveland where they've had a lot of success with pitching. And, And they've done a nice job. If you watch Pablo Lopez came over from the Marlins. He was already pretty good with the Marlins, but what the twins have done with him is accentuated the vertical nature of his stuff. If he's going to throw high in the zone with his fastball, put that sweeper in there so that it can stay high and move off of that. It, it deceives hitters a little more. And then a lot of teams are starting to give guys split change-ups, which um, are you know, another way to play off fastballs that that make hitters swing and miss.
1: I don't want to put anybody out of business, but I also want what's best for baseball. And if things are explained right, everybody can enjoy it. And when we talk about VAA, if I went around the ballpark tonight in the ballpark in Arlington, and I went around to every single person, I said, hey, what's that? How do you think his VAA is? And then I asked him, where do you think you can find it? Do you think we'll ever get to a point where we can have one location that has everything on it, explains it, shows it, we can see the numbers, spe- see spin rates, spe- see everything? Because let's face it, other pitches, you don't want spin. You don't want a lot of ton of spin on like a changeup. It's like there's different. There's different. Like, how do you explain it? Find it understand it and make it because i think i think if we did this it would help bring more people and more interest into our game i know the pitch timer and the new rules are doing a good job but just from the data standpoint do you think we'll ever get to that point
2: i think it's tricky because vaa is something where you're you're right there isn't a good or a bad it's not you know this number is good and this number is bad. It, they're different for different pitchers. Some guys really want their pitches to be steep. You know, they want a, uh, a VAA that's very negative, whereas other guys want that fastball that's flat. And it'll work different for different pitchers. And I, I think that nuance is really hard to get to people. And And you don't need to know VAA to enjoy baseball, obviously. You can look at, say, Spencer Strider on the Braves watch him pitch and say, wow, that that fastball is dominant. And you could look at it, and what you're actually seeing is that it has a combination of high velocity and a flat VAA. That is what makes that pitch good. Uh, But you don't necessarily have to have a number to know that. I think as we expand the language of this, both on the pitching and hitting side, where people can kind of understand how to classify what players are doing and to explain it, without necessarily having to overwhelm them with numbers, that's honestly the same way players feel a lot. Uh, A lot of the players liked VAA because it was easy to teach. It wasn't that they needed to look up at the scoreboard every time to see what their VAA is. If they watched that pitch come in and hit their location and threw from the right angle, they knew they got it right. And so it's, it's kind of boiling it down to more qualitative things that can be appreciated without necessarily needing the leaderboard uh, in terms of finding one place that will have all of this, I think there are places that do a really good job of keeping up to date with that, whether it's MLB's actual site, Baseball Savant, that houses the StatCast data, or Fangraphs that has a lot of the most up-to-date stuff in one place. The problem is just that people are inventing new stuff all the time. You know, Teams are coming up with new ways to measure success and to help players develop, and that stuff takes a minute to go from inside the teams to public consumption. And and sometimes it doesn't even need to be public consumption. We just need to do a better job of explaining it in ways that fans can appreciate.
1: Let's end on this. There's some players, and by the way, your work is fantastic. That's why we love having you on this article. I mean, you learn. I mean, and that's what good articles do. They they entertain you and you learn, and that's good writing. Um, I, I Sometimes there are certain players that the data analytic community fall in love with. And they just shove that guy down your throat like you wouldn't believe. It's unbelievable. I'm willing to say it. I'm willing to step out there. And I and I've had people tell me I'm crazy, but I'm going to tell you. Ever since Juan Soto got traded to San Diego, he stinks. And all my buddies in San Diego can't stand him now. If they got to watch him mad dogging pitchers and and hitting under 200, oh, he got two walks. Yes, getting on base is important but Juan Soto turned down 440 million or believe what you want to believe. I believe everything I read on the internet. So it was, <laughs> it was it was a lot of money that Washington. I know he's a darling. I mean, compared him to Ted Williams. Ted he's like Ted Williams even though Ted Williams hit 340 with 40 bombs and slug and and had the on base. But whatever. Uh are, when will the community be a little worried about Juan Soto?
2: I think there's a little worry now just in terms of he's had a prolonged stretch of uh, not quite having the swing, right? So the thing with Juan Soto and the reason that you offer him 440 million or more or, or whatever, is that he has a very high baseline that on, that on base ability, his strike zone recognition gives him a floor that is higher than almost anyone else in baseball, even Right now, when you're totally correct, his swing looks terrible, he's not hitting, he's clearly kind of discombobulated, he's upset at the plate and trying to take a walk before the umpire gives it to him and kind of putting himself in bad positions because he's uncomfortable in some way. And even with all of that, he's still been about a league average hitter production-wise because he gets on base so often. And when he was with Washington, obviously he was pairing that with power, with the ability to go the other way consistently with just terrifying pitchers with his bat to ball ability. And right now his swings off and he is his front shoulder from what I can tell is coming open too much. He's pulling the ball into the ground a lot uh, and pulling the ball too much in general. When, when he's at his best, he leans into the ball and a lot of times he sends it in the air to the opposite field. So Yes, I I would be concerned at this point, especially only about a year and a half from free agency. I would be a little concerned that he has not figured out how to write the swing. It's been off for almost a year now. And and even early on in D.C. last year, he was having some problems that were hard to parse because he was seeing no strikes. I mean, teams were saying, you're the only guy in this lineup not going to throw to you. And I I think he was having some issues there. But since he got to San Diego, there are some real problems with the swing. And if you are going to be one of the best hitters in baseball, part of that is making adjustments and kind of self-correcting. And we have not seen him self correct this particular issue yet. Do I have
1: time for one more? I want to do one more quick. Yeah, we have plenty of time. Okay. You're still in New York, right? Yes. Okay. I I loved how MLB Network did – Otani versus Judge Week. We do that in the NFL all the time. If Monday night football is gonna have Brady Rogers, they're gonna Sunday night football, they're gonna just at nauseum to I mean, yes, Otani's a global superstar. Judge is a freak playing center field. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's Yankees. You got a big market team like the Angels. Just when you're in New York. And that's all going to, how was the buzz? How was it? Because you got home runs, robbed home runs. It looked like great theater.
2: Yeah, I was at that game with the robbed home run and the, the judge home run. And, I, you know, Otani, if you've, I'm sure you guys have seen it. If you're ever at an Angels game, doesn't matter if it's in LA, New York, Kansas city really doesn't matter. Oh, we There's see like, it. We see it. Yeah. There's throngs of, of <laughs> yeah. media and yeah. people there just following Otani, uh, Japanese media, American media who want to see him where, whenever he's in town, like it's a scene wherever he goes. So you have that already. And then you add in the fact that, you know, he's in New York and a lot of people want to ask him about whether he'd come play in New York when he reaches for agency this off season, just a whole circus around it. And, he had a pretty extended at bat that first inning uh, of that game. And it ends up hitting this ball that looks like it's going out to dead center. And you just hear kind of the oohs and ahs, and Yankee Stadium hushes to watch this ball in the air. And I mean, then Judge goes up and knocks it back to himself. And I think the the replay honestly might have gotten a bigger reaction because you couldn't exactly see that he knocked it with his glove and then caught it barehanded until they put it on the screen. And then everyone realized that it was kind of doubly amusing. So, you know, that's great. I think this is part of the reason MLB wanted a balanced schedule. You can kind of have your qualms about it from a division rivalry standpoint. But the fact that Otani is playing in every MLB city in a, over a two-year span is probably a good thing for the game. You get these huge matchups. You get people to circle on their calendar. Hey, Aaron Judge, Shohei Otani going to be on the same field Sometimes facing each other. Same thing, you know, Shohei Otani versus Justin Verlander. Whatever it is you want to see, you're you're gonna to get to see it at least once a season and in front of you at least once every other season.
1: If I was a free agent and they said, Chris Townsend, would you be interested in playing in New York? Why, of course I would. <laughs> <laughs> Even if I have no intention. I'm bringing the New York teams to the we're going to we're going to have a who's paying me party. I'm making sure the Mets and Uncle Steve there with the uh Yeah,
2: Steve Cohen's interest With the Mets is. and
1: the Yankees, Uncle Steve's going to be there. How Steinbrenner? We're going to have a party for me. I I want Steinbrenner and Cohen to both be there.
2: Yes, you want them in as bidders, which I'm sure if Otani's interested, they will be bitters.
1: Oh, the amount of money that you could make off Shohei Otani internationally, because I already know what Anaheim's making. Oh, my God. And New York is just that's the thing. I don't care what he hits. The guy could hit 260, 18 home runs, 65 RBIs. You're going to make millions off of him. Like, I mean, he's 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 return he's ROI proof. Return on investment. He is gonna make you a, we were selling ads. Japanese ads. We were behind home plate. I mean, it's like we're doing it. Can you imagine what you could do with the Yankees? Oh my god. It's
2: I mean, you saw in the WBC the the level of enthusiasm for him just it goes beyond the regular baseball crowd. I mean, it was When he was playing on that national stage in games that really mattered, you had, I know that a bunch of people I follow on Twitter for interests that have nothing to do with baseball, college football, politics, everything, everyone was watching Shohei Otani. I mean, he was the only conversation point because he is just such a, no one's ever seen anything like this before.
1: Amazing. Hey, always great to have you on the program. Let's hook up soon. Be well.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Keep up the great work. Zach Kreiser from Yahoo Sports, uh, fantastic article that he did. And, you know, uh, you want to learn. I mean, this is where the game is. I wish I wish I had it. I think everybody wish they had it, right, to where you make something happen. Well, how did I make it happen? Why did it happen? Because sometimes it doesn't always work, right? So you, you, it's amazing the data, the technology, what it helps you with, how you – how you learn pitches, how you learn how you make your pitches better. I've told you before, the Dodgers. The Dodgers have hired people that all you do is work on everybody's slider. And all you do is work on everybody's whatever pitch. Let's say fastballs. And you don't interact with the group. It's kind of... um, It feels like government-type deal. But, yeah, you go to work, and they go, here's everybody's information on sliders. Just work on sliders. Give them your your information. Because what they don't want is they don't want to train everybody and tell everybody everything that they're doing, so then everybody comes and poaches your guys, and they take your employees to other organizations. So if you were only here for sliders or you're only here for breaking pitches, you're only here for fastballs, you're only here for this, you only know a little bit of the equation. And you might think that's crazy. That is happening in baseball as we speak. They're basically independent contractors. Then the Yankees, the Yankees have their full-on own data people. They're full-time employees. So that's, you know, why do you think people want to purge Yankee people? Because they've got a lot of money and they've put a lot of money in and they got smart people. Cloak and dagger in baseball, baby. And which teams have been the most successful? The Dodgers, the Rays, the Yankees. Well, the Yankees are in the playoffs every yeah. year. You can say about the amount of
4: money they spend, but they got some smart people. The Dodgers are in the playoffs every year. The Rays have been in the playoffs. Astros. The last four. Astros are yeah. a good little ball club. Yeah, and uh, they're still struggling. Cheating right now.
1: or not, they,
4: cheating. They develop players better than than most teams do, and they wish they could be like them.
1: I'm just out of sorts. With everything going on, I, where are we? What we time's the game? We, Game's at five oh five. Yeah, so we got about twenty minutes. Pregame's at four twenty five.
2: Oh
4: wow! I was thinking again. We used to do an hour long pregame. Yeah, so we got. We still got about twenty. A little oh, 20 okay.
1: Minutes. Uh, yeah, I was like, Tom. Like, am I running out of time? I'm looking at the clock. Top no, that's of the why, hour. That's why I was like, no, we got plenty of time. Um, just want to, coming up next. I want to talk to A's fans again because I think uh, some people have reached out. They didn't hear what we said at the beginning. Just kind of update you how we feel, where we're at, how things are going, and how, how the future is going to look. So, just kind of want to update all of you A's fans on the last couple of days and, and what's going on with us and how we feel. We'll do that next right here on A's Cast Live. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. AceCast Live continues
2: from the town. Here is Chris Townsend.
1: We want to thank everybody for watching today. AceCast Live. We'll have Ace Total Access coming up here in just a little bit. What time? Uh, 425. So about 20 minutes from now. 425. If you're just catching the program, because obviously people come in at different times. And they hear us talking baseball. And it's like, well, why are you not talking about? We did this. So we'll do it again. We started the show today telling you how much we appreciate you and everything you've done for us. We came at this with humility and gratitude. But we also wanted to let everybody know that we're in the same boat as you. There's a lot of unknown. And there's unknown. When there's unknown like this, it's, it's scary. It's scary It's fans. It's scary, as, scary for employees with the organization, which we are. We're not sure about our future. No one knows about what the future will be. No one knows what three years, four years from now, what's going to happen. So all we can say to you is thank you for the support as we created this for you, the A's fans, because no one else is talking A's baseball. No one really is talking Major League Baseball. So we created this so you had a place to hear your manager, hear your GM, hear your players, front office, and all the other people that we have on to give you coverage. 365, 24-7, Ace cast runs every day, all day. Throughout the offseason, regular season, winter meetings, you name it, we cover it. All of baseball, but especially the A's. And we did it for you guys. Because every single year there becomes less and less and less coverage. That's why we create A's Cast. And the last couple of days have been scary and hard. And I know a lot of people are angry. And we're telling you we understand. But then we're also telling you we're in the same boat. We don't know what the future is going to be. So all we can do with this show is put our big boy pants on and continue to do what we do and what we get paid to do. That's our job. We're not going to sit here and be keyboard tough guys. We're not going to sit here and be alarmist. We're not going to sit here and take shots at people. We're not going to do it. I mean, I have plenty of experience. I don't know if I could find it. It's got to be on one of my computers. I could bust out my old interview with Mayor Jean Kwan, where she said she wanted five teams in Oakland. Count them. Five. Were you even around when I did that interview?
4: I think I was because I was at ninety five seven, right? Yeah. So yeah, I was probably I wasn't probably as prominent there as I as I became. Oh, so. I did
1: that interview. The news picked it up. Everybody picked it up, and everybody's like, five? You want five teams? Who were the other two? I have no idea. But my question, I I was like, I even said it when she's, i I'm, I'm in her chambers, I'm in the mayor's chambers in Oakland. I'm in her I, I I it was a home game for her road game for me she did not want it she did not want a neutral site she wanted a home game all right I'll bring it to you and I'm in her chambers and she's got her people around and it, it it's it, and I'm interviewing her and when she said five I went, I went five <laughs> like what? So, but we're not going to throw shade on anybody. We're not going to throw shade on A's owners. I mean, Ted, they're our boss, for God's sakes. We're not going to throw shade on politicians. We're not. We're not. That's not our job. We just want you to know that we appreciate uh, we appreciate everything you've done for us, all the help to make us the number one podcast in all Major League Baseball by a lot. And if you're looking for hate, and you're looking for vengeance, and you're looking, we're not going to be you. We're going to control what we can control. We're going to cover baseball. We're going to cover this team. We're going to cover this season. We're going to cover the game. We're going to cover the future. And that's what we're going to do because that's what we're paid to do. So if you're looking for the payback and the vengeance and you're looking for this kind of stuff, I'm sorry, we won't be your cup of tea. But we wanted to make sure that you knew going into this, A's fans, and really the loyal fans, I think if you're someone who is all about that, you probably don't watch our show anyway. Like, I don't like to speak to people who don't watch our show. You want to be a keyboard tough guy on Twitter, go ahead, enjoy. That's not what we're going to do here. But we wanted to let you know that we feel for you. We love you. We understand how you feel, and in a lot of ways, we're in the same boat as you. So if you didn't hear that earlier, I did a a much bigger, I guess you'd call it a monologue. Yeah, correct, monologue. To start the show, but that's kind of a brief one because we've already done it. And we will get back to baseball, as baseball is going to be tonight. I got all my notes ready to go, and we're going to have A's total access, and we're going to have the game, and then we're going to have the A's clubhouse show, and we're going to wake up, and we're going to do it again tomorrow. And we're going to wake up and we're going to do it again on Sunday. And we're going to continue to do it because that's what we do. Our play-by-play guys are still going to call the game. Our players are still going to play in the game. Mark Kotze and his staff are still going to work with the players to try and win games. Nothing changes. The baseball side of it doesn't change. Would be no different. Like, let's say Amazon was for sale. Jeff Bezos and whatever, and I I don't even know. I think he's kind of sold out and so on. Someone's buying Amazon. Well, guess what? Someone's still got to deliver the packages. Someone's still got to package thing up. Someone's buying Apple. Well, we still got to make iPhones and AirPods. And Macs. And Macs. And all the other stuff they make. Chargers. iPad. Oh, Because they got to always have different chargers, so we keep buying different chargers, those SOBs. So <laughs> somebody's got to still do it, right? I'm sorry. I'm still thinking about the charger comment now. Isn't that horrific? <laughs> all the different chargers they have, there's sons of But, you know, my father used to say this stuff all the time. And he used to drive me nuts as a kid, but he was so right. We're not the first team that's going to have these issues, and we're not going to be the last. Just it's – it is what it is. Don't beat yourself up about attendance. This isn't about attendance. The attendance thing is just gasoline on the fire. It's clickbait on Twitter. I mean, that's one of the problems with Twitter is Twitter is just where everybody can hang out, and you think you're getting information. You may be. You may not. You may be getting good information. You may not. I I just – There's a lot of bad stuff on Twitter, but unfortunately, it's the platform that everybody hangs out on. But trust me, I said earlier, all the years of talking attendance with Candlestick Park, the minute they opened up Pac Bell Park, no one talked to tenants anymore. No one talked about Candlestick anymore. That was just... These are big decisions that are beyond our control, all of our control. But what can we control? We can control the topics here. We can control the guests here. We can control doing a good show every single day. And that's what we're going to do. And we just want to tell you that in the end, it's tough for us too. I mentioned my wife, my kids, your wife, our lives, our careers. Yeah, there's a lot to this. And I know there's been a couple keyboard tough guys, you know, you can you can find me at the coliseum i'm I, i'm not that hard to find i mean if there's i would gladly talk to anybody answer questions you'll still see next homestand. stand i'll be wandering around so um but for the most majority of you thank you thank you for everything that you've done for us and we're just all in the same boat together and we'll deal with it and we'll move we'll move forward because that's all we can do
4: well said i really don't have anything to add to it because you, added, you said it beautifully the first time, and we do appreciate everyone that listens and watches now, which is a great avenue for us to distribute our content. And Personally, from my standpoint, being the producer, I love giving you guys the access to this content, the guests, the podcast, everything we're able to do. So thank you. Continue to keep watching and supporting, and we'll be here to help you
1: guys as much as we can. And you're going to have some really cool things said about you. Dave Raymond, the play-by-play, TV. We always want to say voice, but you're not the voice. That's right. You're the face. Like the great Glenn Kuiper, he's the yeah. face. Uh, Alex Jensen,
4: the face of Stockton.
1: Who? <laughs> Dave Raymond. It does TV for the Rangers. Had some great things to say about the Oakland Athletics fans. So you're going to get a lot of that here because we're the people who talk to the baseball people. The Twitter people, they don't talk to baseball people because they're never around. Yeah, everybody, everybody, oh, all these big, big, big opinion people, they're never at the ballpark. They never talk to baseball people. They are hardly ever there. And amazing how everybody's telling you how they've been there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're there, you kind of see who's there. I haven't seen a whole lot of these people who claim they're always there. I haven't seen them really in years. It's a fact. They all claim to be there all the time. Ah, oh, I've been. Okay. All right. And I don't want to bag on anybody. I don't want to get involved. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a. It's, I, I've stayed off of it because if you're, if you're following things from a social media standpoint, it's a disaster. I mean, it's a, it's, it always is when you follow something from social oh media. Oh, my God. I mean, you don't even know if people are real. You don't even know who they are. It's harder now with no blue check marks. I mean, you don't even know. No one uses their real name. Everybody says they they know this, they know that. I heard this, I heard that. Once again, you see none of these people at the ballpark. The majority, 99% of all the people who are out there big talking, no matter what their opinion is, you never see them. So how do they know all this that they claim they know? I think they're just making it up. It's manufactured. So... I'm staying away from it from here on out.
4: Yeah, uh, it's hard because I try. I, I track Twitter for news, like baseball news and sports news, and just news overall. And all I keep seeing is all everything negativity wise. It's I think I might need to take a break from a uh, the old Twitter machine. Well,
1: I and you know, I understand it. We're telling we understand. I mean, we we understand the negativity. I mean, totally understand. Oh, it.
4: not just that. I'm talking about life in general. Oh, totally.
1: So, yeah. Twitter basically is the Debbie Downer platform of all Debbie Downer platforms. There's like nothing positive on Twitter.
4: Uh, Not really, though. No. I mean, there could be something positive. People always At least on
1: Instagram, I can get like, I can watch cooking. I can watch baseball. I can get golf. I mean, there's a, mi- a million golf tips. There's a million Ric Flair, Macho Man, Hogan, old school wrestling things. There's things that make me laugh on Instagram. Twitter, not so much. Is there anything positive on this platform? Uh, it's not- just basically, hey, I, I don't even know. I don't know what the premise was when they firstly said, hey, we're going to design Twitter, what what its purpose was. It's just turned into one big bitch line. It's everybody. It's just one big complaint. Everyone moved Every- from Facebook to Twitter. Everybody's complaint. Here it is. Blah. And that's what you get. I mean, you know, I mean. In baseball, there is a lot going on. I mean, we didn't really get into Madison Bumgarner. Clayton Kershaw got his 200th win. He'll probably be... Second to last. No, there'll be three. There'll be two more.
4: Oh, yeah. forgot about Wainwright.
1: Wainwright's like 4 away, three-way? Five. I think he's at 195. Yeah, so he's hurt, but when he comes back, Wainwright should get it this year. Garrett Cole's a long way away, but Garrett Cole will get 200 wins. And then other than that, there's no one. Like Johnny Cueto, not happening. Yeah. The Madison Bumgarner clearly not happening. The one guy that I looked
4: at that was under, there's one guy that's under 30. Degrom, <laughs> <that> is,
1: <laughs> not
4: happening. It wasn't Degrom. I I wrote it down. His
1: wrist Uh,
4: he's supposed to pitch Sunday, I guess.
1: Oh, his wrist. a like uh, wrist.
4: Jose Barrios is 29. Hold on, he's no, terrible. I, no, I know, but I was looking at guys that are under 30 that are even anywhere close to 100 wins.
1: Barrios is
4: terrible.
1: He has 73
4: wins and he's 29. So,
1: and I, he's been getting lit up.
4: Yeah. For,
1: like, what, almost three years now. Yeah. By the way, in
4: DeGrom's last full calendar – DeGrom – Kershaw's last full calendar year of starts, 162 starts, if you go through that. The Dodgers are 119-43 and in those starts for him.
1: Yeah, MLB now, MLB Network has had some impressive things on Kershaw, like his ERA plus numbers, like from Kershaw throwing hard and have like, the most devastating curveball to Kershaw getting older and now more slider. I mean, Clayton Kershaw is the same – he doesn't throw as many innings.
4: Doesn't throw as hard either. He,
1: well, I said that oh. as he got older. Yeah, but he doesn't throw as many innings. But his numbers are basically identical. K's per nine, ERA plus. It's it's amazing. Yeah, he's a great pitcher. I mean, his career. Wow. You can make the case he's the best modern day
4: pitcher. But I don't know. But generational. Last twenty five years, probably the best pitcher. I think he's better than.
1: You you think just twenty five what 30, oh, no, 30 looking, years ago was a modern day? I mean, I'm thinking. What like, what do you classify as modern day? I was looking more like the uh, hello Greg Maddox and Randy Johnson and Roger Clemens are on the phone. Well,
4: yeah, no, he's wasn't he's not as good as them yet. He's, Aren't was, they
1: Martin? Mar- Pedro yeah, yeah.
4: Martinez. That's why I said the last. Uh, 20, Pedro. I think he's better than Verlander. He's better than Scherzer. Better I, than Verlander. I said it. Verlander's forty years old. He's pitched five years longer. Kershaw will get those numbers too. If he pitches, I mean, he's purple. Okay, first
1: of all, Kershaw's team has been good every year he's played.
4: So that's not his fault. He plays on a good team.
1: Well, it's also not – I'm not going to bump him up and screw other people because his team's won because a team he got drafted by. It's like screwing a guy. Well, he plays for the Rockies. Eh, I don't know. I, I, I Kershaw will be – and I hate to say this. He's a future Hall of Famer. He's a, He'll be a 1st bat Hall of Famer. I don't know who will vote against him. I'm sure he'll be in the high nineties for sure. I don't know if you're going to just come on out and say he's like, oh my god, he's better than Verlander. Like, I don't know about that. It's called a hot take, and I just gave it. Wow, well, yeah, maybe you should stick to Twitter. Keep your hot takes on Twitter. Kings win game four on Sunday too. There we go. That's a way to end on a positive note at Chase Center.
4: Then the Warriors got to win a
1: road game. Good luck,
4: Chase Center. They look good last night, though, the Warriors did, without Draymond Green. It's
1: not Draymond's fault.
4: Are the Warriors better without Draymond Green? Oh,
1: hot take. Hot take Friday. 833
4: 625 2278.
1: Maybe you keep Draymond's street clothes. Don't even show up to the arena. Hot take?
4: Yeah, that's yeah a little. No, I don't know. Maybe come bring him off the bench. All right, so that's. I'm it. done
1: with hot yeah. takes. Ace fans, we love you. Thank you for everything. We, 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 and there's a lot of you in a lot of different places. We love all of you. Thank you for everything you've done for us. And, um,. We'll all go through this together. Coming up next, A's and Rangers, you're listening to Ace Cast Live.
3: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.